Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now, cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 250th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Meredith Kirkman and Delete Berkowitz. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And today we got Justin Polk on the podcast. He is a director. He's directed Super Bowl spots. He is a production company owner. And he has a real cool story because he actually didn't start in film at all. He started in sports. He was a football player. And then he went into sports management and met a lot of people and just slowly made his way into film, not even knowing what he wanted to do until he finally became a director. And got into advertising and now I think through his experience which Matt I, I don't know what, what your highlight is but my highlight from talking to Justin was just about how honest and frank he was about wanting mentorship and help from other people and not being a know-it-all pretty much which really let him get into the good graces of a lot of cool people like Dean Kane, Superman is one of uh, the people that championed him. Yeah, you know, I think Justin, you know, he immediately, as soon as you meet him you or and you would listen to him on the podcast, you can tell that he's got a, a very specific warmth about him. He's got a great personality. And so he's the sort of person that I think people like being around and appreciate his hard work. And so to me, it was like, oh, this is a combination of playing to your strengths of being, you know, like a, a charismatic people person. And then combining that with hard work makes you a person that really can kind of navigate a lot of different worlds. And so the other thing that I think is interesting is that, and we talk about on the show, you know, he, he's got kind of such a broad range of experiences, but is able to kind of help highlight them and let them coalesce into a, a really interesting and marketable set of skills, basically. You know, like, I think it's one thing to be interested and curious person, and I think it takes a an additional layer of of savviness to highlight those in ways that are appealing to other people, you know? Yeah. And I think what's cool about Justin too is how he is taking the mentorship and help he got when he started and giving it back. He has his, his own company is called Invisible Collective and they are kind of grooming new filmmakers, young filmmakers, sometimes underappreciated filmmakers or people that don't have as many opportunities. So it's cool to hear the journey from beginning to end with him. But before we talk to Justin, Matt, I have been very eager to hear 
What have you been working on lately? Yeah, well, Warren, I you are pleased to to know we've been talking about it off mic that I have jumped into the blender bandwagon and i think it is worth talking about a little bit wait did you call it a blend wagon i called it the blender bandwagon but i i I could have been more clever i suppose i could have uh landed that joke stronger also jumping into the bandwagon which i think you would jump Mm -hmm. onto a bandwagon but yeah i guess you do yeah you're a newbie you're new in the blender world so i know that the terminology what's the the hot key for sharpening for workshopping so yeah I've, i've started doing a handful of different tutorials on blender as you've talked about on the show many times before the thing that's really nice about blender is that it because it's an open source software and entirely free Uh, There's a lot of resources out there that you can use to kind of do a lot of self-teaching. And I have always really enjoyed and appreciated being fluent in After Effects and being able to like, you know, do shots here and there that maybe need a little TLC and, and do some kind of custom animation for pieces. But the thing that was really the most handy for me was just knowing what elements I needed on set so that I could get the things that a real VFX artist would need to make the shot good, basically. And to know what's going to make things more complicated, what's not, you know, like what's feasible, what's hard, all of that stuff. And so, and also then you can have a a more informed conversation with those artists if you have the luxury of a little bit of prep time, basically. And so I thought, well, you know, why not jump in and do a little bit more uh, self-teaching and learn a little bit more about 3D because it had always been something that was really intimidating. And I think that there's a couple takeaways that I want to bring up to people. Can I take give you my takeaway first? Please, hit it. Um, so in Hollywood, there's this weird thing where like, let's say your cousin is an agent at CAA and you're writing pretty good scripts and sending it to her, but she just doesn't think you're ready to be at CAA. And then all of a sudden, a famous actor reads your script or sees something you posted on Instagram and is like, ooh, I would like to be a part of this project. And all of a sudden, that cousin of yours that never quite cared for what you said or what you wrote because you were nobody, all of a sudden is interested in, you know, setting up some meetings for you and maybe showing your script to some people, even though nothing has changed. So there's a little bit of that in this story in which... I can just talk about Blender and how cool it is forever with Matt. But when David F. Sandberg, the director of Shazam, makes a video talking about how cool it is, Matt's finally like, okay, I'll check this out. And I don't mean, obviously, you always knew it was cool, but like knew that it was like a useful tool as a director, like outside of like the 3D VFX world. Yeah. And I think it is an important distinction. I think the thing that that I want to impart to listeners that I think maybe was a mental block for me before when Oren was telling me how cool it was and was showing me all of the awesome stuff that he was doing. There, there were two big thresholds that were made me apprehensive. One was that I don't have any ambition to be a VFX artist the way that you know you do that as a side hustle and that's something that's really natural for you and you have a lot of aptitude in that space already, right? So even though you're never going to like go hit up Lawson Deming over at Barnstorm to like, you know, day play for him. It is a part of your toolkit wherein you are offering to maybe do some really complicated shots on a job. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're getting jobs because of your VFX expertise. And I don't think that that will ever be a huge part of my repertoire. But for sure you can, you know, once you know Splendor a little more, already knowing After Effects, when you pitch on a job, you can say... 
this is a big VFX job, you know, and I have a lot of experience with VFX, you know, motion graphics, and I will know how to run this team, you know, to get what we need. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the goal for me is, is to be a, a good leader and to be educated on what it is I'm asking people to do. But so that is an important distinction. Like, you don't have to be a professional VFX artist to benefit greatly from learning how to do any part of this toolkit the same way that it's important that you know how your camera works even if you don't touch cameras and the other thing that i think is worth talking about is that or and you like we talked a lot about how like you got a bv new pc that you built yourself and it's got all of this stuff or whatever and i my laptop is from 2014 and i am still doing fine i'm not doing like big gnarly heavy duty renders but like a lot of the things that I'm hoping to do with my blender skills, animatics, storyboards, all of that stuff, that's still a pretty light lift for a, a, even a kind of old crappy laptop. You know, my laptop was good when I bought it. It was kind of, I buy them to last a long time. So I bought them, you know, it was spec'd out, but still is just like a off the shelf MacBook, you know? So I think that that's another thing for people to know is that like, you know, look, you might crash a little bit more. It might take you a lot longer to like be able to see what your render ultimately looks like. But you can definitely get by and, you know, maybe don't make your animated 3D feature on an old laptop. But certainly you can make some cool storyboards and like learn on an old laptop and it won't be a huge deal. Yeah, you can even animate, you can sculpt. There's a few things you can, yeah, lighting and rendering is like kind of a hard thing, but everything else is interesting. But yeah, but I think there is one piece of hardware that you can literally get for under 10 bucks that is, I think is the roadblock you hit. Um, and if, I encourage anyone that's interested in learning 3D at all to purchase one of these things. And that is a mouse. I was doing a lot on a trackpad and there's just too much... You need a click wheel. You need a third button, basically. I mean, it's a recipe for arthritis is to use a trackpad for 3D because you got to do all these weird... Because did you set it up where if like, you do a three-finger press or something, it's the middle button? No, I was doing pinch and squeeze and just kind of, you know, again, I was like doing tutorials and stuff like that. So like if there was a step that I was like, ah, this isn't going to work, I just kind of like didn't care that much, you know, like I just kind of like worked my way around it and... You know, like with any of those tools, there's a lot of different ways to do certain things. So, but also to your point, the mouse I got works great and it was $10. All you really need is a middle mouse button. And I, you know, I have this, the Logitech one that works on the Mac and the PC, MX Master 3, which is cool, but it's, it's not really any better than the like $10 mouse that came with my computer. Did you get a wireless mouse or? Yeah, I ordered, originally I ordered a like the wire cutter recommended wireless mouse and it was like 40 bucks or whatever and it was back ordered it was just taking forever and then i just was like what am i like i don't need a super mouse i just need a third button so i canceled that order and got the amazon you know recommends or the amazon basic mouse and it's fine yeah. Did, so you received it already yeah and have you yeah. used it yet i haven't used it yet i've used it for just regular old mousing around mousing off but uh <laughs> otherwise i'm um... um cool well yeah if anyone is interested in knowing why to even care about blender i just posted some things on my instagram account and twitter and yep. some good looking stuff man Facebook. Yep. thanks some boards i did and actually i talk about how i try to when i try out new software on a client job i 
try to do it when the stakes are really low. So oftentimes, you know, I, on low budget projects, people don't even really expect storyboards because they're like, yeah, oh, we can spend that whatever one to $2,000 somewhere else. And so a lot of times I just kind of make them myself and I know no matter how bad they are, they're going to be better than nothing. Um, and so on this job I had last year, I was using Cinema 4D to make the boards. And then I was like, oh, I already made the boards. They're fine. I might as well just try to remake the same thing in Blender. And if uh, it works out, it works out. And it didn't. I actually think the Blender ones look better because Blender is free. So you can kind of just try out all the different things. When Cinema 4D, if I wouldn't want to try it on my PC, I would have had to get a new license and all these different things. So anyway, I'm a big... Big fan. If you want to see more, you can check out my Instagram or just the whole Blender community is just so amazing. So I'm glad that you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. And, you know, the, the other thing that I think I'm really excited to check out is photogametry. So basically, you're on a scout, you take a photo and then, you know, you can go ahead and map that into a 3D space and then you can fly a virtual camera around and like find different angles and things like that. And that I'm very excited for. And frankly, isn't super technical. You know, like once you kind of figure out how to like map things properly, most locations are just a box, you know, like maybe there's a little bit of stuff here and there. And then you can start having fun, like pulling models off the internet and like populating the space a little bit more. But I, I think that the the aspect of basically playing with Legos, but in your computer and with like a 3D camera is the thing that is the light bulb that went off for me, basically. Yeah. There's this, you know, about the, are you talking about LiDAR or are you just talking about in general? Like I'm talking about, there's a plugin specifically, not, not a LiDAR based plugin. Yeah. Where you take a, a million photos and then you can make 3D objects out of them. No, 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 no. I'm talking about actually something more simple, basically, that would just give you, you, you basically build the, the planes basically, oh. and then F map each. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, F-Spy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this LiDAR thing is I did not want to get the iPhone 12 um, or an iPad Pro, but like people are doing, you know, these new phones have these 3D scanners in them that literally what Matt is saying, you can just walk into a convenience store and scan the store and then you have it in 3D, like textured in color and everything. It's just totally bonkers. But anyway. Okay. Well, we should probably talk to Justin Polk. Before we do that. I do want to remind people about our Patreon page, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. And I just, I want to thank everyone again for being patrons of the podcast. We're having a pretty good little run there and I hope you guys feel like it's worth it. Yeah. 250 episodes, Oren. We didn't even remark. That's a lot. Oh yeah. This is 250 episodes, a quarter million episodes, uh, <laughs> give or take a few zeros. Um, but no quarter thousand. That's not, that is not bad. Right. That's a lot of time. If you think one a week, that's a lot of weeks. Yeah. Like, I'm sure yeah, that's crazy. Like, since we started, we've probably uh, made and lost many friendships. Mm, that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah. Mostly lost. Mostly yeah. lost. Yeah. It is interesting. The older you get, the less friends you have. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I sacrifice a lot for this show. <laughs> so the least you can do. Yeah. But the more directors you talk to. Um, well, cool. Yeah. So if you go there, Patreon, for those that don't know, it's like just a place you can give us a few bucks a month. $1, $4, $10 are kind of our our featured levels. $10, you get a free hat. Just shoot don't sleep on hat. the $20 level. $20, $20 level. level. Yeah. You, you get the t-shirt. You get oh, $20, the t-shirt yes. 20. The t-shirt, $4, you get the sticker. $1, you get 
to just help us. Uh, bragging yeah. bragging rights, yeah. And, but also you do get access to our live streaming events, for instance, things like that that are pretty pretty excellent. Yeah. Isn't it tax right now? Probably not. Uh, we did talk about that. Uh, you you argued that, that um, it was, if right? you say... Education, research. Ed- education, research, yeah. You know, look, uh, we are, neither of us are lawyers or tax uh, experts in any way, but, you know, I'd talk to my uh, CPA about that and see what they say. Yeah, dollar a month, it's $12 a year, that's, uh, that's offsetting uh, two coffees. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Okay, cool. Well, patreon.com slash just shoot a pod, we really appreciate it. And here is Justin Polk. Hey folks, we're interrupting this incredible episode of the podcast to tell you about a new sponsor that we're working with, Front Row Insurance Brokers. One of the challenges of being a filmmaker is that there's a lot of risks that we take and we really just want to focus on making good stuff. So what if there was a company that could take those risks, manage them for us while we are being artists? That's right. Front Row Insurance Brokers arranges film production insurance to cover the risks associated with your production. They cover features, TV shows, documentaries, commercials, music videos, webisodes, basically anything you can watch on big media or phone-sized screens. Yeah, Front Row will help you focus on your artistic vision by transferring all the risks to them and minimizing your production hazards. And they cover any budget from $2,000 all the way up to $200 million. There's nothing that's too small or too big. If you are shooting in Canada, use coupon code JUSTSHOOTIT50 off for 50 bucks off your film production insurance. That's promo code JUSTSHOOTIT50 off to save 50 bucks. And if you're shooting in the U.S., that same code can be redeemed offline by mentioning it to a broker, by email, or over the phone. It's like a cool password if you're in the U.S. That's just shoot it 50 off. Check him out. Let us know how it goes. We talked about this right before we started recording, but you, you're you a commercial director, but you, before that, were a commercial producer and you came from the advertising side. So tell us a little bit about when you started wanting to be a filmmaker and how that, that journey started. I think since growing up, my passions have always been sports, architecture, and film. I think those three things are the things that I've always really loved. And a little bit of politics as well. As we talk about James K. Polk, maybe that's in the blood. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my origin story is a lot different than a lot of people's because, you know, I didn't come from, I didn't go to film school. I I wasn't one of those film school people. I was, I actually- Nerds become. Yeah, yeah. I actually actually started working in sports when I first when I first got to college. I worked at Reebok and did sports marketing for five years right after college. Did you study marketing? In college? I did not. I I was an art art history guy oh, and, that's cool. and, and and sociology. I went to a, some small liberal arts college upstate New York. Oh, which uh, one? Uh, Colgate University. Oh, cool. Love yeah. the toothpaste. Yes, yes, yes. But but the, the big long long story short, spent my time in sports, and then when I was in sports, you know, I was never my creative side was never satisfied. So I was always trying to figure out what what was it that I needed to do. And I was I loved my job because it was the best job that out of any of my friends that I had. I mean, I was hanging with some of the famous athletes that you would know now, like you know, like the Iversons, the Yao Ming's, the uh, Don McNabb's, Peyton Manning's. Like those those are my guys. Like like. Like got to go out and hang out with them. I'm 22, 23 years old. And lots of drugs and <laughs> it, was, it was more so lots of Vegas and lots of late night random calls from 
guys asking for things and a uh, lot of sneakers you get lots sneakers. of sneakers yes yes <laughs> my wife would say the same thing as my my house is still filled with sneakers can i just um, just an aside real quick about the art history degree like when you're in college and you're like this art history is just like the dumbest major there's like no job that requires this art history degree and your parents are like what the fuck are we wasting all this money for but then you're someone like me much later in life and a filmmaker I have a degree in computer science, totally unrelated, but thinking like literally I'm now during this pandemic trying to learn art history (laughs) Um, and realizing like that what an amazing foundation for any creative field it is to have that degree. It's like one of those degrees. I I mean, it's one of those things where I don't remember everything, but then randomly if somebody says something, I'll be like, oh yeah, this and this and this, like I just, it just comes back to me because it was a lot of reading and a lot of looking at art and paintings and the architecture and mine was focused more on architecture side so you know i was looking at different eras things like that so it was just it's a lot of information and i was also doing the art side as well so while i was doing that you know i was doing my my printmaking my drawing my painting my you know my photography yeah. classes things like that it teaches you to look at the world though which is something that i think we take for granted but me as an engineer we looked at the world in a very different way, you know? Um, yeah. And it, no, it's it took true. me a it's while true. to learn about that stuff. And I think also like just having disparate interests is a thing that serves you well as an artist later, right? Like I feel like I, as a young man, was like just obsessed with movies. And like it took me a while, like everyone always talks about this, but like if all you care about is movies, then the only movies you can make are about movies. And we've got enough of those already. You know, yeah, and I'll say this as well. I, I mean, I was also an athlete in college. I played, I played football, and so it was funny being just being the art guy on the football team as well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well respected, but you know, I did get made fun of some as well. Sure, sure. I came yeah. in, I came in, one time. I came in with like this little wispy mustache, and everybody was like, "Oh, <laughs> the artist mustache." Right. Like Justin, <laughs> uh, you want to wear your beret under that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which, which, going which, to summer in the Sorbonne, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't get I don't get embarrassed very easily so I, I was just like okay let's, let's get like, so that, that would egg people on more but yes our history was was I, I enjoyed it and I, I still love it to this day I love going back and reading books and I used to have my professor come to wherever city like my architecture professor from college I used to email with him and have him come to whatever city I was and do an architecture tour and things like that so but he doesn't do it anymore he's 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 now he's he's retired and doing all that stuff but yeah but yeah um back to my life my long my long life here i feel like i lived three of them um when i was that when i was everybody just i just noticed that i was on set for for i think an iris and commercial and i was just like looking i was like oh this looks kind of cool I was like looking at like we were doing stuff. Like it was my first set I've been on it ever. And you know, seeing the director do his thing and like the, the, the hustle and bustle of the set. And it just seemed like, I was like, oh, this looks cool. I was like, maybe I want to move to LA. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was like, that was like year four Reebok and I lasted five. You were in New York at that time? I was in Boston. I lived in New York too for a little before that. And it's, but it's better. Reebok had you traveling, I imagine, right? Yeah, when you were traveling. on set, you yeah. were in LA. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah, I should yeah. stick out. Yeah, yeah. We um, actually, I think that one shot. In, I might have been shot in Philly. It was probably shot in Philly. And I mean, I traveled a lot. Um, but I came to California one time. I was like, "This place is beautiful." And then I came back, 
And I realized like this might be a place I want to live and it has the industry that I want to be, I might want to be in. So I just saved the money for a year and took and went out of the job. It, this is 2008, everybody. Sure. And, yeah. Recession. A bad year to, a, a bad year to quit your job. Yeah. You, for, for our younger listeners, that's like the economy is about to take a nosedive. Right? Oh, it was, it was in the nosedive and yeah. I was quit my job. Everybody's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I was like, I'm yeah. just going to, I was like, I'm just going to move to LA and I'm going to figure it out. And, and like, Everybody's like, okay, you got a job then. No, no, I'm just leaving. Was that during the writer's strike too? Writer's strike had just ended. Yeah, yeah it was somewhere right. around there. It yeah. was. I, I, it might have. I don't know if it ended. Maybe it ended that summer. I, I, all I know is that I moved out on July third of two thousand and eight. That's when I moved out. Quit Reebok on July first. Was out. Was in L.A. by July third. And enjoying life, like you say, maybe people don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I was like, okay, where do I go from here? Luckily, you know, as I was figuring it out, I had a couple of friends that were interning, like interning in different places and working in the industry. From- Wait, can I ask you for a second? Like, what brought what brought you to LA was that feeling you had when you were on set and seeing the machinery of the collaboration, like yeah. art and commerce and all that going together. It was more that than it was like seeing a movie that you loved that made you want to go. Yeah, to no, it wasn't. I mean, I, I watch movies all the time as well, just like you guys. Um, and I love movies. But then it was, and I knew I liked movies. And I, like yeah, I said, who doesn't was, like movies, though? That was right? one of my, like, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. my passion. Everyone you I, know loves movies. You yeah. know, like watching like Radio Flyer or like Shawshank Redemption. Those are like movies that I just love to keep watching over, over Fried Green Tomatoes, you know, like I love fried green tomatoes too, man. Yes, yes, great, (laughs) great film. Um, It was like being there and seeing like the creativity. I was like, this is what I'm missing. I'm missing something like this. And I didn't know exactly what that was. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But I was like, I need to, I need to change. I need to change the pace because I didn't, I didn't want to be the person in at 40 years old saying, why am I still in this industry that I don't love as much as I thought I did? Which is, which I, which is what I saw. And so I told you guys, my motto is when life is like. Why not? So I just like said, fuck it, and just and just moved on to, and moved to LA and said, we'll figure it out from there. Um, so so I, I want to not to not to pump the bricks too many times, Justin, but I think it's it, it's really interesting that like you had a great job, right? And so the decision, it feels like it's it's almost like a bigger risk because like you're walking away from a, a thing that you know other people would kill to have that job. Yes, yes, that was the biggest thing. But but you know, like, you have it, and so you know you don't want it, right? Yeah, I, I it's funny, because I, I was literally at my five-year reunion, and I was trying to make trying to make the decision I was really going to do this. It was, I had been, been saving up, I paid off my car, like, like you know, like, little things just, like, to make this move, and I, I, I had, like, 10 grand in my bank account, which I just like hustle and bustle to save over. I also bartended when I was in Boston a little bit too. So I was like, I was like saving money on the side, like trying to make this move. And I was in my fire union and everybody's like, like, I felt so happy. And I was like, you know, I think it's time to get out of the East coast and go and do something new. I was like, it doesn't matter. Like everybody's have, everybody's in that transition mode. People aren't, people aren't happy in their job. Other people aren't happy in their jobs as well. I was like, I just need to be happy. Let me figure this out. So I just dipped. Well, our generation was like famous for like the multi-career, you know, just the opposite of our parents who got into an industry and stayed forever. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. And my mom was like, you know, you talk to your, you like to talk to your parents during this time and figure out what's what. And my mom was just like, oh, whatever, if you want to do it, like she, nobody was like, she's like, just do it, just be happy. Um, I think that was that was the biggest thing was like, just be happy because she know she knows like you said she, they spent 
30 years at she spent 30 years at, at uh southwestern bell slash at&t and she, you know she she was like it was, it was a it's job a, you know it's a job yeah you turned yeah, out weekends great. off yeah, yeah. You had a pension, but yeah. Yeah, no. It, yeah, she, yeah, she definitely got a pension. No. She definitely got a pension. And she's doing her thing, buying, selling houses, rehabbing now after after retirement. So that's that's what she loves now. So she's doing what she loves. So I, I'd be remiss to not ask, on your move to LA, is there anything that you would have done differently or any advice you could give to a person who's at their five-year reunion right now on Zoom, wishing it's it was a very in popular topic on our <laughs> podcast. But like, yeah, the the move to LA is is a question for whether people. they whether people should move to LA and how they should do it's it. It's hard to say because for me, it was it was the right decision, it was the right move. It just, there was no there was no other choice. It was like you, I, this is where I, if I wanted to try, I need to be here. I didn't know. I mean, I I, I knew I could go to New York and try to, but it just didn't seem like the right place for me to go. I mean, I've been in New York already. At some point or another, at many points, like either my summer internships or even just right after college, I lived there for before I got my my job. And, it, and I love New York, and it's like New York's my heart. I always say that to this day. But it just wasn't. I didn't. I didn't feel like it was the center of the of the of the entertainment universe. Right? It's like yeah, yeah. you get here, you're gonna learn more. Yeah. The only people who say it's the center of the universe are people who live in New York. Yes. Yes. Well, it is huge in advertising, though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I mean, to be honest, I'll get to that later. I had no clue about advertising. That's that was like a whole different, whole different thing. I actually ended up because of people that I worked that I knew. My guys play. I went to college with. I played football with. They all lived lived out here. Even even my best friend, who um, they were all working industry at some point. One was working for a manager. One was working somewhere else. I I can't remember back then. But they introduced me to this guy that was running the program at Village Roadshow, Village oh, Roadshow Pictures. Dude, did you do the internship with, uh, what, Fred? Oh, well, Fred Klein. Yeah, I also he's did. A, he's a, he's, but he's a Colgate guy. He went to Colgate. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Fred so Fred wasn't there when I did it, though. It was, uh, when, when I got another guy, Fred had just left, and another guy came in, and his name was Matt Skeena. And Matt brought me in, and I, I don't know what I was doing. I was just like, okay, I'll come in. I'll come in interview. And I was like, this is where I'm trying to go. And they hooked me up and, and let me come in. I went, I went class twice a week and like, I mean, I, you know, learn coverage. Like, I think it's so notable about that internship. And I don't know if they did it for you. was like, they'd give you this list of movies that you should have seen. Mm-hmm. And they ask all the interns who's seen, like to, to fill out this list, like to mark which movies they've seen. And then part of your internship was they would rent the movies that the least in- interns had seen and you would watch them. Like yeah. That. Oh, that's yeah. fun. I didn't realize that part of it. That's great. They, they did do that, but I also, they were in production. I, this was basically me like one-on-one, right? Right. Learning, learning this, learning this. And I got a chance to, they were making Sherlock. They, they, they were making the, the Sherlock movie and they were also making the movie Cat Stock. So I got, the, I got a chance to. Okay. Oh, the animated movie. Uh, it's like it live, live action. It live action CG. with with like C- CG dogs and stuff. Did yeah. Brad Payton direct that? I he, did not. I did not. He directed it. Cats and Dogs too. Oh right. yes, yes. <laughs> he previous guest Brad Payton. <laughs> but you know, I didn't know anything, and so I, I got a chance to learn from them. And they had and their head of production, but uh, Jeffrey Lampert, he, he was the head of production. And he we, we we got close, and he I mean he took me not on set, but he took me around the studio and introduced me to people, introduced me to the head of the studio. Like I was playing basketball with all these guys all the time. The Warner Brothers folks, yeah, the yeah, Warner Brothers, yeah, on the Warner Brothers lot, and um, 
it was it was amazing because I got to meet people that I never would have thought I would meet, and so that just got me like my name around circles and stuff like that. And nothing ever, honestly, nothing ever came of it though. But at least when that later in life, when I saw people, people saw knew who, who I was, um, which was nice. And did you you didn't know what you wanted to do in the business? You were no, just like I was still trying to figure. Stuff. I was still just trying to figure it out. And I started getting an idea. I said, "Well, I like produce. I like. I might maybe I want to produce." And then, and then as I got later, I'll talk about this later. I started deciding that maybe I want to direct. And you know, during those times, I'm also working at a restaurant. I got a restaurant job, as as a lot of us do. I worked at the counter in El Segundo. Oh, that's kind, a that's a hike, man. It was kind of nice because I did live West Side, and I was living in Playa del Rey at the time, and so it wasn't that far from me. But it was. But it was kind of nice because it was kind of off the map, so like my friends didn't have to see me. Sure, yeah, yeah. But you know, working working the village, interning, working the counter. Also, I worked in reality for a little bit at Three Ball Productions. That did The Biggest Loser and Extreme Makeover, and then I think what's the show that's that's still on with the guy that Restaurant Bar Rehab. I want to know. Actually, I'm curious. How did you get that job? That job was great because I actually got that job through the counter. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> I yeah. met the, I met Todd Nelson, who runs, who started Three Ball Productions. I met him at the counter. I was working serving tables, and we were just, you know, you just get to talking, side talking, and and he talked about, and it's funny, he, he's a big Packers guy, and strangely enough, the, the the guy who runs the Packers was my college uh, athletic director, and so I knew, I, I still know him. We, we like email. I talk if I want to go get tickets, he'll give me tickets. But Todd, we're talking about that. Todd's like, oh wait, you're you're Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy was your athletic director. So like, yeah, and so we just start talking football. And he's like, and he's like, what are you doing out here? And told him he's like, well, you know, he said here, hit me up an email. I might be able to get you something. And I started out just working there, which was a paid job, which I didn't care. I started transcribing the footage for the for the shows. And I, I did the six, the seven, the seven shift. Seven That's kind of like the mail room of reality TV, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I knew a lot of people who did that job, actually. It's like a good, like, entry-level gig. It was perfect. I, I could do it at night. I can I can try to do stuff during the day. I, need other, I can work at other stuff during the day. As long as I got my stuff done, a certain, if I got my stuff done, nobody cared how long I stayed, right? Nobody was really looking at my back. And I held that job for on and off for a couple of years. And um, just when I need, like, need, need money, I would call and they would like, come in. And they tried to promote me there, but I, but I said no, because <laughs> I did not want to get stuck in reality TV. Yeah, yeah. So you, the, money, the money was good back then, too, like really good for somebody, you know, I think it's like the story editor is like, it was like something like two grand a week or something like that for for me on the show. It's like, man, that's good money back then when you only, when I was only making six hundred dollars a week, you know. And um, it is a crash course in storytelling, right? Like in seeing that what you f- shoot on set is not necessarily what the story, you know, like how to find stories out of footage, how to manipulate things, how to oh, re- yes, rearrange yes. things. I can tell you anything about how reality shows. I can watch a reality show and I say, oh, that's where they did this. That's where they did that. I can I can, I can, can say it anyway. And it actually helped me in my directing down the line, to be honest with you, because right now I'm in, I'm in the, a lot of the docu-style real people type of directing right now. And, it's, and having that job actually definitely helped me yeah. a thousand percent. Yeah, you know what pieces you need, right? Yeah. To get on set. Yep. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But uh, the other thing that's interesting, though, Justin, is I think your point of like not wanting to get promoted, it makes sense because, you know, like you do learn a lot and it's really great, but also there is a weird, like some scripted people can be judgy about reality for sure. 
And then there's also the, you know, the golden handcuffs. So like, okay, like, you know, story editor or, or story producer, you're making two grand a week. Well, all of a sudden, like that becomes your lifestyle. All of a sudden you need that money. You know, you were surviving on 600 a week. So two grand a week, all of a sudden you've got a mortgage or you got a new car payment or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're just kind of, then you turn 40 and realize, oh my God, I've got a career in reality TV, which is not a bad thing, but doesn't no, sound like that. It wasn't, was that wasn't what I wanted to do. But also you've already made the leap. I had the same thing because I, when I left it being an engineer to come to be a filmmaker uh, and I worked on just these random, you know, little things, shorts, learning. And then I, I also like did a little bit of reality. I like worked on some weird things that paid well. And I and I was like, wait, I did not move to L.A. and leave engineering <laughs> to like work on, you know, weird reality shows. Yeah, I get it. I'm just that's absolutely. I was all the same way. I was like, there's no way I can. I could take this next leap because, you know, and I have friends with there like, why don't you just do it? I was like, ah, it just doesn't like, I know myself. I know myself. I was like, I can't do it. I'll be unhappy. And like the one thing I'd said to myself is that I won't do something that makes me, makes me unhappy. You already tore the bandaid off. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like I had a friend, um, his name is Sam Daly, who is Tim Daly's son. If you know Tim Daly, the actor. And Sam, Sam and I, but like his, his girlfriend and I went to college together. And we, when I moved out here, she, she introduced us. We became really close tight. And so because I was working in entertainment, he actually got me into the Entertainment Basketball League, which through that league, I actually got playing basketball. I met a lot of people. And one of the people that I actually helped that I became close with was Dean Kane. And Dean... Superman. Yes. Yes. And Dean decided, like, you know, he just took a liking to me. And, he, and one day he's, I was, like, trying to shoot some stuff. He's like, well, I need to get this new camera. So he's like, you just research it and get it and we'll figure it out. So research, got the stuff, and we got it. And we went, to, we went and picked it up at Sammy's, and, we, and he's like, okay, I want you to shoot this thing for me. And then after that, after we shot the thing, he's like, okay, you keep the gear and just use it. He's like, I don't need it. It's like, just use it when you want to. So that was the first time I had a camera. I was like, okay, I have this camera. Let me start making stuff. So I just started going out and shooting a lot of things, like randomly um, doing things. and Photography or video? Video, all, okay. mostly video. Here, here, another thing I want to just point out that's a funny Hollywood thing you mentioned like uh, the the Hollywood Basketball League. I had a friend who who played. He got his agent through the hockey league, and like all these crazy connections, and like also a lot of friends who were really seriously into kickball. Do you remember there was like a period of time where kickball oh, leagues, yeah, kickball like Hollywood big. kickball leagues, were like a big big thing, and it was just like you know I stopped at ultimate it, like, frisbee. It's well, it's just yeah. an excuse for people to like do a thing that they love to do that they don't have time to do typically and also a little bit of networking at the same time but it does weirdly pay off especially if that's an interest of yours you know yeah and with the basketball league it was i was doing a little like on the side i was doing a little bit of commercial like going out for commercials because that could pay big money at at the time as an actor as an actor yes as an actor go out for commercials every now and then um because i had this i randomly got this commercial agent i don't even know how i think i went to like a open call and got one and um i mean this is like a course in networking 101 right oh yeah oh yeah it's like you moved to la you didn't even know why and then you just like started meeting people yeah and they like introduced you to the various things you could do exactly exactly and I was interested in acting because, like, like I said, I, I didn't know. I was still trying to find my path and figure out where my lane was going to be, and got into that league. And it was it was interesting because you know there's a lot of actors, a lot of producers and stuff. And so, and 
I got in based on just that I could play a little basketball and I was in the entertainment industry and, you know, they brought in some guys every now and then. I wasn't, in, I was never fully in the league. I was always, I was a lot, a lot of times I was, I was the filling guy. So like guys are like, you know, a lot of times, a lot of the big names, you know, were on set or filming stuff or not available. So then I'll get a call from the guy randomly like, Hey, can you, Hey, this weekend we need you. Can you show up? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll come in and play. It made my it made my girlfriend slash wife now. She, she didn't like that all the time, but it was <laughs> that you were like the sub. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't mind because I wanted to play basketball. One, I want to play basketball. I, I I like playing basketball, and then two, it was a, like I said, it was a chance for good networking opportunities and things like that. So and, and it and it panned out because I, I made some great friends. I got a lot of really good friends from that from that league, and um, but it led to other opportunities as well. Like I said, I got the camera, which. Which I got met Dean, who Dean looked out for me and mentored me and gave me a gave me a camera, which allowed me to go out and shoot my own stuff. Was it a type of relationship with Dean where you can make a sh- write a short film and say like, "Hey, will you be in this?" Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I could, I could. I never did that. We we know we we actually still have a relationship now. We talk about things that we maybe we could do together down the line, but it's just never. Just never paid. I, I've actually filmed stuff with him. I've gone. He's actually put me. I did. We did a short. I, I helped him. I directed some scenes in the short that he was he was kind of directing. And in this film, he did. And Big Bear, he let me come and I and I uh, shot second unit um, on. Um, I don't. I didn't. I don't think I got credit. I don't think I got credited on it. But it was one of those things that I just got to go and do it, and we got paid, and it was it was it was nice and fun. Um, it was it was also another learning experience. So yeah, he, he's he's looked out for me a good amount. But um, that camera, like I was saying, I had a friend that was running the photography studio, and he needed some video done, and so he started hitting me up. Like he was shooting all these streetwear brands and uh, eye companies and fashion brands, and so right. And you like, kind of came from that world, right? You're doing yeah, I kind of came from that world, so I knew it. The management, side. and so I would just come in and help him with the video and side of it. And he would be on one camera, I'd be on another camera. So I just started finding my finding my eye and my talent there. And it was a good it was good because it wasn't it wasn't too high stakes, you know. You, as long as you shot something decent, they would be happy. So I granted some of those things weren't as great as I thought they were back then. You know? <laughs> sure. Well, but you know what I think is also important is that like because you come from the world of advertising and because you're a, like a likable guy, you know that you can interface with clients and understand that world you're not going to say so you're not going to put your foot in your mouth uh on his behalf you know you're not going to make him look bad or even like try to be artsy at the expense right like yeah you know what the job is and you know how to do it on a political level as well which is frankly i think more important than being uh like an incredible shooter especially early on yep yep it it was um it was interesting because i got to learn i learned cameras you know because of that i started taking classes I took a couple classes at UCLA at the UCLA Extension, which is where I really realized is where I can I had wanted to direct, right? I took a, I took my I, I or I could direct because I was shooting things all the time. I even took an acting class for for a couple of um for like a year because I just I didn't want to, I knew I didn't want to act full time, but I actually wanted to learn that side of of how to work with actors as well, right? So I just took the classes to kind of learn and be a fly on the wall. And it was it was it was great. It was, I think it was great for my career down the line. And you thought that was like a good because those classes are it used to like extension, the acting class, all that stuff is like pretty expensive. Yes. You felt like it was a good investment yes. of your money at the time. Yes. It was, you know, like classes were like UCLA extension, they only go for a quarter semester, I think like 
They don't even go for it. They don't even go for like a they 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 run in quarters. So for three months is is you know I think it was like six seven hundred dollars eight hundred dollars. Um, so that was a, that was a lot for me. And then acting class I think it was like three hundred a month or something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. More. The thing about UCLA extensions though that's worth mentioning if you're moving out here or you just want to learn more, they are designed for people who have jobs. Mm-hmm. So yes. like, you know, night classes and their night classes and stuff. stuff like that. So night it's like classes. you are really getting a pretty great education around a schedule that maybe accommodates someone who has to make a living, you know? Yes. Night classes online, but yeah, they're, I think they're great to, to hone your skills. And I was in the class and I was in the class with some pretty decent people that, that had good eyes and were directors. But I always felt like my stuff was better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I realized there, that's when, like, my first class, or maybe, my, maybe it was my second class. I was like, when we were, like, the first one, they make you take, like, a theory class of directing. You watch, basically watch movies and learn the, you know, what's a, what's a medium shot? What's a medium close up? You know, those kind of things, the angles. What's, what's, you know, what's camera left? What's camera right? That's the first class they make you take. Second class where you actually start filming. And I felt like there, when I started filming, like, my stuff was, on par with everybody else's and that I, I could actually do this for a living. That's that was the first time I really felt like it's like, okay, I feel good about this. This is where I think yeah, I can that's the inspiration you need. And somebody said and some and my professor was like, that's really good. <laughs> when he said that just, you know, when he just said that, it was great. And he and he always and like it's funny because that same professor, he's an Italian guy and um he was out here directing and he still calls me today. He's like, he's, he always calls me his favorite student. He's like, my favorite student, Justin, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, um, that's when so, he calls me too. Yeah. So, so it was, it was, it was, it was a, a boost of confidence and, and something that said, okay, let's do this. Let's go this, let's go this route. And so in the meantime, I'm doing other things. I'm signing up for contests. I'm doing short film. I did my first short film, which I raised on Kickstarter. I raised 20, 20, a little over 20,000 when Kickstarter Kickstarter was pretty much brand new and nobody knew about it. Like I I put it up on Facebook and I said, Hey, let me try this, which Kickstarter is a full-time job for anybody who who does it. Like raising money for Kickstarter was a full-time job for a month. Um, Sometimes I wonder like, could I make if you're raising 20 grand in a month, which is pretty amazing for a short film, like, is there a different job that you can do in, for a month yeah. <laughs> that yes. make 20,000? <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Could I just be transcribing full time? for? <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, I'm probably, probably, but it was, uh, it was worth it. And I got a, we had a four day, I think a f- uh, four day shoot. We shot different locations. We shot at Pepperdine. We shot in the, uh, at San Pedro in the water. We shot in the beach in Will Rogers. And like, you wrote this we, too, right? Yes. Uh, well, I, the, I wrote the idea, and I, but I had the, I had an actual writer come in and write it as well. What, what's I, the logline of the short? It was called Public Law. A baseball player escapes Cuba and gets on the and reaches the sand of, of Florida. And what's the law like? Like and like basically the end scene is like they make it to the sand and, and so happy at their trek across the water, and then one of them gets taken back and caught up in, in jail. And what's the law? It's like it's like the um, the foot and water law. Basically, if your foot is still in the water, you can be taken back. But if you're on dry dry land, you're, you're considered on American soil. So they can take you. So it's like this in between there. So that's what that's what the short film was about. You know, it ends with like somebody's foot was still in the water. They got caught up by the police and they get they, they, they got arrested and deported. And what's cool, what's interesting is obviously there's like your sports background comes mm-hmm. out in that thing, yeah. right? It's like yes. it's a human story, but it's got 
it started it's about an athlete right yeah yeah exactly so you know i do i do i do sports well that's what that's what i like to say you know i know sports so i can do that it's like easy for me um but yeah so that was my first short film and I got it around. It hit a couple of festivals, and yeah, that sounds like a pretty expensive short for sure. Yeah, that that money, at least the twenty thousand, is up on screen. You yes, know what I mean? <laughs> the twenty thousand is definitely all on screen, and we actually made the money work. Like then we shot all these places, and I got cut big bar on the steel for locations. It was it was a fun it was a fun shoot. So let, let's fast forward a little bit, right? Like you you got this. You're building your network, right? You know, you're 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 educating yourself. You're diversifying, like your different skills, right? You're learning camera, you're learning producing, you know, you kind of, you're seeing all sides of the business, right? You realize, okay, I want to be a director. So fast forward into maybe uh, that first kind of big job. Is, is that the agency job? Is that? George? Yes. Yes. So because of all of this, because of all of everything I mentioned before, I had a friend um, named Eric Kaufman who was working at Deutsch and he was seeing all the little things that I was doing and, and My for experience. people that don't know, Deutsch is like a huge, very good advertising. Yeah, like it's like a blue chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, and trust me, I had no clue what he did at the time. <laughs> I knew he worked at, I knew he worked at a, some kind of agency, and I was like, okay, cool. And he brought, and then he, one day he just said, "Hey, you need to come in and meet my boss because I feel like everything you're doing, you're making, you're making your own, you're, you're a maker, you're making your stuff, you're directing, you're producing your own stuff, you're doing all this stuff, and I think you'd be a good fit." for what we do, for what Deutsch does. I was like, sure, bring me in. And this was like September, 2013, I wanna say. And it was right before, I was actually just got engaged, didn't have a job. I quit all my jobs. I quit the restaurant job, I quit the I quit the reality jobs. I was just like, I'm gonna work freelance to figure it out. Like, this is, this is gonna happen. And went in there, I was like, sure, let's go. So I went in there and we, and I met his boss, and we, we vibed, we, we hit it off. And he goes, and he's like, yeah, I love you, but I don't have a job for you. I'm like, okay. I was like, cool. I was like, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll, I'll, you know what? Let's talk. Let's keep this going. And I'll call you if I have a job. And you didn't know anything about advertising at the time? Nothing. I still didn't know anything at this time. Like I knew it was like advertising agency and like I kind of started looking up what they, I looked up what they did before I went in there a little bit. But that was my, that was the first time I, I really understood what advertising was. It's like, like, these oh, guys, everyone looks very fashionable and yeah, cool. Yeah. Right. It was, it was yeah. good. It was cool offices. And everybody was, yeah. You know, it was a lot of moving around, moving parts going on. People were just like running around like like chickens with their head cut off. And yeah, it was it was it was interesting. And then fast forward, I ended up getting married. And then I took this job where I took this I did a shoot where I actually was in Texas, where I'm which, where I'm from, with a friend of mine from LA. And we went out there to shoot a spot, uh, like this branded content spot for Canon Spider with um with Shawn Michaels. On his, on his ranch with Shawn Michaels, WWE Shawn Michaels, if you know what I'm talking about. So we shot this thing. I'm there on set. Like we're filming Shawn Michaels. I get a call. And they're like, hey, we have, remember that job I told you about in September? Well, I have one. <laughs> do, you, do you want it? And I was like, on set, I was like, uh, sure. I was like, yeah. And so within the next two weeks, I, like within that like week, figured out with my start day, I was like, I can start right away and got the job at Deutsch, which I became a, I was a producer within on the on the team and when i got there they knew i wanted to direct and he's like i want to help you as a as a creative as a you know as well as a producer but you got to learn the producing side first before you become before you start before you i can show you how to how to direct as well so that's how it started 
And that's how I started learning. And basically, I called the advertising world my mini film school because I had everything I wanted within this place. You know, they had on-site editors, they had film equipment, they had they had the clients that needed stuff done. You know, I had I had the and art the, directors had, and copywriters. yeah, art directors, and copywriters, everything that I needed to make something were, was was right there. And I just took full advantage of it from the beginning. Like I, I learned as much as I could as fast as I could. Um, you know, uh, from I, I guess I started by the end of my first year, I, I helped. I, not many people could do this, but I was I was producing a Super Bowl spot, which is which yeah, is the one fast track man. Yeah, which spot would we must have seen it? Though. The Mophie, the Mophie, uh, all powerless spot. Dude, it, that spot is so insane, Matt. It's if you go to justinpoke.com, which I know is your old website, but if you go under elbow grease and produced. Uh, it's the top left one, and it's like a bonkers spot where they're literally the still frame is a dog walking mm-hmm. a man on a leash in the middle of like an ap- apocalyptic. It was explosion. a big spot. I, think, I, I mean, I want to say overall that I mean, the budget somewhere was between four to you know five million. I mean, including media buy and all that stuff. You know, um, was that's how much it cost to make that make that commercial? How many Which, days did you shoot it for? Um, that was a four day shoot I want to say I mean there's literally like fish raining from the it sky there's a guy getting it hit is. by a car yep it's like a, a riff on the end of the world yes. right so yes. like there's rioting the streets there's fire there's you know it's a cataclysm did you shoot on a back lot we, did, we shot some of them on the, on, the, on the lot yes some of it was on a lot, but most uh, we shot on location in different places as well. And how did you know how to produce that? I kind of got thrown into the fire, to be honest with you. I was producing some things and doing some other smaller jobs, and just kind of learning. And then I came off. I came off producing one thing for I feel like Taco Bell or somebody like that. And my boss at the time, she was my executive producer, and she was great because she was she another person who just kind of took me under her wings. It's like I'm going to teach you how to produce, right? Now, just do what I say, you'll be fine. And then, unfortunately, she, in the middle of, of producing this, she wasn't feeling that great. And so she started, she started getting sick. So she had to, had to kind of take take the back seat. And she needed somebody to come in that, that can work with her, that she wanted to help. And she said, you can do this. Just do it. Can you tell us what, what the difference is between an agency producer and, like, a regular producer, production producer? Yeah, like a line producer or something like that, or like a or like a producer for like a someone film from the production company. Like what? What? Because an agency producer is a little different than like a yeah. Producer so a, so agency producer is basically the person who makes it all happen on the agency side based on when the creatives, like the creative director or uh, art or art director and uh, and uh, copywriter, come together and make a spot. They come in from the agency side, and you know. You put all the pieces together. Whether that's help find help put the find the production company, help bid the directors, which is uh, what we all kind of do now on the other side. But it's uh, get put the list of directors together to help them find the director they want to go with, um, and the production company they want to go with, because that's important just as much as just the director. And then budgeting out everything from like the the music, make finding the right music, help them find the right music house or effects, cast like. Putting together, like honestly, putting together the whole process with the working with, and once we get the director working with the director and the team to put it all together and to make the creatives happy. Because it's kind of like high level producing. Like you're not looking for locations, you're not hiring crew members, you're not worried about what people are going to have for lunch. No, no, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm you're on making the, the people side. who are going to help figure out yes. what we're going to have for lunch. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, 
I'm the keys to to the to the wheel, you know, to the to the car. And and oftentimes, and I'm curious now that you're directing more, like oftentimes the agency producer feels like they're on the director's team a little bit. Like they feel like, oh, you're our inside person in what the agency is thinking, what the people are going to like and what they're not going to like, what you think is going to fly. And that's kind of, it's kind of a, it's a very personable job in that way. Like you're kind of, yes. you're playing both sides a little bit, right? It feels like you're on the production company's team, but you're really paid by the agency. There's, yes, definitely. There, there are different producers though. Like I was very creative friendly. I'm a creative producer. Whereas other people are producer producers where they're like, like this I, is the I'm, budget. I'm, yes, this is the budget. That. Yes. This is the budget. We got to do this. It's like straight. It's like. A straight line whereas i'm i was more creative friendly and you know they always say you're not supposed to say no when, you, when, when you're a producer like it was like i can figure that out but i also said no too a lot right <laughs> you know i definitely said no um i didn't i wasn't afraid to say afraid to say no because i felt like if you can't do it you couldn't do it like i'm not gonna like let's not waste time and try to figure it out um but sometimes you can get creative and make stuff happen which which was what i really loved about that was let's put our heads together let's think about this and what can we do to make this work which is which is a, a lot of the fun as well so yeah uh, i'm very creative friendly and so i would definitely side more so with the creative people more so more so than like the um you know we also have the cat the account team too like the, there's like there's the internally there's the account team as well that you have to deal with which is the people who are dealing with the actual client client and i always felt like they were like debbie downers of of, of, of the whole process which is hard they have a hard job as, as well right they have a job they gotta keep their, their the client happy whereas we're just like well, we want great creative that's all we care about uh, we we want to make you money, but we're this great creator is going to make you that money. Right. The client team, you, if you were like, hey, we just want to say Dr. Pepper 15 times and for everyone to wear a Dr. Pepper t-shirt and drive a car wrapped in a Dr. Pepper logo, they'd be like, great, we love it. Yes. Regardless of whether or not anyone will actually like the spot and want to watch it. Exactly. exactly. And actually, I think like to me, what makes an ad agency great, like why Deutsch and BBDO and like... Ogilvy and these like giant ad agencies are like so successful and obviously a lot of like smaller ones too is because they've built a good enough reputation where the creatives can say like yes we know you want to say Dr. Pepper 15 times but guess what this is what's going to make a really good spot yeah saying it um, one time this hilarious way is going to be yeah. much more meaningful right. whereas like the smaller agencies are like so afraid they're going to lose Dr. Pepper that they'll just be like okay we'll do whatever you say and the yeah. client what about 16 the times? Yeah, 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 and you know it, it happens at bigger agencies as well because I felt I feel like at times that I was on certain accounts or working on certain projects that you know, everybody was afraid of the, of the of what the client might do or what, what might happen, and I get it, I get it. They pay the, they pay the bills, but it's also like I think there's got to be some kind of honesty there with everybody and. And, and the trust, like right? And trust and trust, yeah, trust. And some people, and, and you get accounts that trust you. And granted, Mofi, this was like, I think this was their really their only spot they ever done was the Super Bowl. Where they where they really came out and it's like, here we are, and they were nervous, but they trusted us. 
and that commercial did well for them, and they did really well for them. And, and I, I think it, it it paid it paid back in the end over over the long haul. You know, to be honest with you. Yeah, the Super Bowl a Super Bowl spot is like one of those rare places where I feel like it's pretty obvious. Even though the price is ridiculous to put a commercial on during the Super Bowl, the return is pretty obvious. Like everyone is talking about your commercial. Can you imagine a regular person being like, "Hold on, I'm going to go on YouTube to watch all of the new." <laughs> you know, spots, Dr. Pepper commercials. Dr. Pepper commercials for the the finale of The Office or something. Like, no, no one only, people care about Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, and they rank them, and so you want to be you want to make a good one. Yeah, you want to be the number one. And you know, during this time, what the, the best part about all this is that I'm I am on set. I'm learning these directors. I'm learning what these production companies are. I'm learning how this process goes, and I'm. It's like part of my blood at the agency because I'm learning it every day and listening to these conversations and hearing what everybody has to say. And, and then I mean, I'm able to, I, now I take that and use it to my advantage. Right. Right. So you're but you're. Yeah. So tell us about some misconceptions. So you probably heard like a lot of directors pitching on jobs. Um, what are like some things that you, you've seen a lot of directors do that are bad that like are not well received on the client or creative side like the agency side. you know i think the biggest thing to be honest with you is listening to the creators and what they want because sometimes they have the boards they don't know exactly what they want but they kind of hint at it and it's it's really just regurgitating what they like (laughs) to be honest with you regurgitating what they said in a way that's creative for you as a director um, what some directors did was just, you know, and sometimes it worked, but most time it didn't. It was just totally go off the left. Like, this is what I want to do and, and I'm going to do it. And some directors have that and can do it, but some, a lot of times it just, it's like, eh, it doesn't, doesn't really hit home because what, what it is is that it's not only creators you're talking to, you're talking to the creators, then the client, then the account team. And like, you got to go all, it's like all the way up the ladder. And it's, it's like, it's more than just two people. It's like, 10 people that you have to satisfy in order to get that job. And it's and you spent six months getting them all creatively aligned. Yes. They all agree exactly. on these boards. They all like it. Exactly. And it's really tricky to be like, but what if it was on Mars? Yes. Even if that's a great idea. And sometimes know? not and like the legal might might not allow that. And so it's, there's a lot of lot of different things at play that directors might not understand that they never dealt with in the business of being in the process. And, but had you been in situations where a director pitches and then everyone's like, uh, they literally just told us what we told them, like they didn't add. They it. have said that they have. There have been times where we said that without giving their own twist on it. Like if you don't have your own creative twist, like that's when you really know. A director's like, okay, I'm just doing this just to bid on it, and like see if I can get get it. And it feels it feels like they're just in it just to shoot and make money. Whereas in terms, in terms of just instead of just shooting, I mean, of course, everybody's in it to make money, but it's like shoot it to have some kind of creative partnership in it. It's, it feels different when somebody does, like if you don't come in there and have your own twist on it, it's like you know right away, you know. And people, there, there been there's a lot of times people came in and didn't really have anything new to add, and so it was like okay, all right, next, next, please. Or people that just didn't have that you felt like were just like you said might do it, but. I felt like maybe somebody else might have wrote it. They came in, you're like, uh, they, they, they couldn't really, they're speaking on it, but it didn't seem like they really wrote it as well, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of directors don't oh, write you mean like, a, like somebody writes a treatment or a pitch deck for a director and they come and they pitch it, but you can tell yes, that exactly. they don't know it that well. They don't know oh, it that that's well. really interesting and a little validating because Orin and I both 
write our own treatments and like I get a help on layout sometimes and Orton will uh, but Orton mostly does all of the work himself like 99% of the time yeah I mean the layout you're not really judged I mean you're judged on but you're you don't need to pitch pitch it yeah <laughs> but there's call. no way I would ever have somebody ever write a treatment for me like that's the, that's the thing I bring to the table and so it's nice because sometimes you're like well dang you know it would be nice to not have to do this part, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right, but then you're stuck making apologies, excuses for a treatment that you don't love <laughs> as right, you're trying right. to pitch people and tell yeah. people why you love it. I, I write 95% of my treatments. There comes a time where I've been like too busy and I like, I know I'm not going to be able to write this. Like I might be on something. Like, I know I'm not going to have enough time to write this. Whereas it's more about more of a collaboration with me. Like, like we'll get in the Google Doc and we'll write, like I have a writer and we'll write it together kind of situation. I haven't had anybody just write it full out for me. I had no clue what it was, what it was about. You know? <laughs> or, or like, yeah. I mean, I've oh, obviously oh, talked to the treatment is... writer, but like sure, I never sure. had like just say, okay, now go off and write it. I never had to have because I felt like that's disingenuous to, to the process, to, to what I'm doing. Well, so Justin, I want to get to the second half of your career here, right? Like you've, you've gotten into, but what was the decision? How did you, you're doing Super Bowl spots. You're working for one of the biggest agencies in the world, doing really creatively exciting things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What was that thing? How did you decide like, oh, it's time for me to go off on my own? Yes. There was a couple of things that happened. You know, while I was at Deutsche, they were allowing me to direct stuff for the clients internally. Uh, Wouldn't always be big, big things. But eventually, um, an opportunity came to direct something for Sprint. You know, I'd done something with them the year before. It was like a small social thing. And this was supposed to be some more digital things. And this was actually four days before I had my first child. <laughs> like, I was actually leaving. Like, I was shooting on Thursday. And Friday was my last day before I left on paternity leave for a month. And um, I shot this thing. I came up, you know, kind of had these, uh, these, these ideas. And we had they had these creators that wrote these ideas, but they weren't fully fleshed out. But I was like, okay, well, you know, we worked on them together. And then we sh- they another production company was shooting the main spot, and while they were shooting the main spot, I was pulling pulling the actors off that set to shoot the digital spot. And strangely enough, I, I shot that. You know, we shot in the old, in the LA Times, LA Times building, downtown LA. I don't know if you know that building. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I think not it's, there I, anymore. I don't think no, I think I think it's like it's totally different now. Uh, but we shot there and I went away and just didn't even care about it. Like, cause I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm gone. Well, come to find out after I had the kid. It's not the sweating, the one where the the execs are sweating, the Verizon execs. Yes. That's, that's the one. That's the one that you just kind of randomly made, did? Yeah. So I just shot it and I went off and it turns out they were liking the stuff I shot better like in the edits when they were going back to that they were liking the stuff i shot better than the um the original spot so i'm at home this is in my my child in october and then i'm watching the world series and all of a sudden there's my spot on the world series (laughs) like i'm looking at it on on tv and you didn't even know that it was going to be i i got an inkling like a day before like one one of the my producer that worked that worked at deutsche was like hey just 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 fyi your stuff might be running tomorrow and I was like, okay, cool. But I kind of, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm still in that like baby mode with my Sure, kid. yeah. And all of a sudden it's... Um, you got baby brain, right? Yes. And all of a sudden I'm watching the World Series and I'm like, oh, there it is. And there it was playing. And it played for the whole time for the next three weeks. 
you know? And so it's that a, was like my really good like, spot. okay, now I know I can, now, now I know I can do something <laughs> that actually a big client would like and will play. Let me go and figure this out. So during that time, I ended up getting, like, while I was on paternity, I actually ended up getting another job at, at another small agency where they, I was supposed, I was su- supposed to be more of a director than a producer. And that, and then, so I went there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say the name of the agency because I'm not gonna do them like that. But I went there for, for a little bit. I stayed there for literally eight months because as soon as I got there, I realized that it was a bad decision <laughs> that I took this job and decided to go freelance after that job. So I started freelance producing and directing and that's, that's where it started. So I started. Can, can we talk with, without you know bad mouthing any any companies or anything? You know, it is that tricky thing. Like we've been talking about what, how big Deutsch is and all of that. Was it that you know sometimes you can shift from these huge giant campaigns to things that are maybe a little smaller, a little more boutique, or like in a more general sense, what are the things that, that you wanted that you didn't get? Maybe it was a lot of empty promises. That's what it was. They were a little boutique, but they were allegedly supposed to be moving to this, moving in a direction that, that was from apart from where they were, they were smaller. They were, they weren't, they weren't shooting a lot, they were, but they were shooting a lot, but they're keeping eternal. They're very secretive agency. Like they, a lot of NDAs for everybody. But like when I got there, one of the, like literally I got there and like the second week I was there, like one of the bigger clients left. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, right. what is this? So it's just all of a sudden the opportunities aren't there. Yes, the way you the, were hoping. yes. The, yeah. The, like yeah, I, yeah. The, I didn't know that client was leaving. Like and then like I, I started producing for them and like okay, we're gonna they, we got this other thing they might want to shoot, but nothing would ever shoot. The only things that they actually shot an agency with were like three things in the eight months I was there and two of them I produced. I did. I'm like, that was eight months. And like the next thing that was happening was like a big animation job. I'm like, I'm not going to be on, I'm not going to do it. So I just didn't see like where I was supposed to be was, was supposed to be more like directing and producing, like doing a little bit of both. And this, and the directing side wasn't happening. So I literally just stayed there until I bought my house and I left. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> it was it was easier yeah. to buy a house with the, with the, with the full with the full time job. Yeah, put, yeah, yeah. Put it like that. Tell me about it, Justin. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was easier to buy a job with a full time job. So I literally bought our house, and when when those papers were signed, my my notice my notice was put in like next week. <laughs> so and so now you've got your own your own gig, your whole your own thing. Talk to us about how that's kind of shaken out, right? Yeah. I, I just started freelance directing, producing, and I knew that I wanted to. I figured, you know, just because of some things that happened between Deutsch and other places, and just the industry in general, I knew I wanted to start my own production company at, at some point. So, but I wasn't there quite. I wasn't there mentally yet, and I wasn't there, let's there financially yet, where I could be like, okay, I can step out. So I just took a couple of jobs freelancing. I freelanced at a couple of agencies. I directed some things. I directed this whole chicken, this chicken of the sea campaign, which was, it was weird and funny. How did you get that? Cause you, did you know people? I knew the creators, the creators and I, they knew I, they, they liked, they saw my directing work before. They like, they just, they just brought it straight to me. It's like, can you direct this? And right. happening. Because this whole time you're building a reel also. Yeah. Right. I'm, be, I'm able to build a reel. So that's, that's one thing Deutsch was able to let me do was build, help me build a reel in turn, you know, they gave me more than just my fun projects, my personal projects. It gave me a chance to actually have real actual clients. Fortune 500 companies. Yes, on the real, yeah, which, yeah. which, which yeah, people yeah. knew. Which people knew. People yeah. like, oh, I know that company. Yes. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Verizon. Yes. I saw that game in, yeah. or that spot in the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
you know, by the way, it's Sprint. It's an anti-Verizon spot. Ooh, which, pardon me. Sorry. <laughs> which one? Sprint. Yes, yes, Sprint. Yes, that's right. It is actually anti-Verizon spot. But I ended up directing Verizon down the line anyway. Hey, there you go. Um, <laughs> I started, um, and, and then later that down the line, I ended up starting Invisible um, with two friends because, you know, I think the biggest thing for us was the access and the diversity and inclusion within the industry, right? When I was at the agencies, I noticed that there was a lot of black people like me directing. They were there, but they weren't they weren't able to be found as easily. So, you know, me being a black man or just black person in general, for people who are just listening. Um, and I thought that the, the advertising, just like film, should look more like the world. And I partnered up with my with my friend Mel Jones, who she is a director and producer herself. And then another another friend who I met down the line named Stephen Love Jr., who's also a, a producer. And you know, so we just we got together and just made made this collective and just started from scratch. But you know, during that time, I was you know, uh, my boss at Deutsch left, and he went to. Well, I was still trying to figure things out, and we were still we were, we were thinking about partnering with Film Forty Seven. You know, uh, they gave me a chance to come in and direct some things with them, and I, that's where I directed the Verizon spot. They ended up going to Super Bowl and that was Super Bowl spot and all that stuff. I direct six spots, and you know, I think because he saw my work, because he saw the work I was doing not only outside of Deutsch, but he knew that, that kind of directing I could do inside of Deutsch because he, he was the one who gave my opportunities there. I was able to get those opportunities as well. So it's almost like. It's always been like somebody connecting the dots, like somebody's seen my, my work in the past and kind of helped me in the future. It's kind of how it's always kind of worked for, for me. Yeah, man, it it is pretty incredible. The story, like when you hear it condensed like that, right? You just sound like the friendliest, most likable guy. <laughs> like how many times were you like, well, this person took me under their wing and showed me the ropes and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been pretty blessed to have like people that, I, you know, I think I, I put a lot into my work ethic and what like I'm I want it to be as perfect as possible when I'm when I'm shooting and directing or doing whatever I'm doing. So I think that that shows and rubs off and people see it. And I think that's where people like people that work hard and you know can do it correctly. Or and then also just the creativity. I think I think I have, you know, I think I'm my creativity shows, hopefully it shows through my work. You know, I never thought I'd be directing, you know, docu sports spots. You know, right now it's like where, I, where I'm living in, apparently. But I can do it, and I, I can talk to people, and I can conversate, and I can, you know, have a, have a good conversation with somebody. And, and I, I feel like I could pull stuff out of people that I never thought I could pull out before, which is, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you know, to kind of put a bow on it, right? Like, it is a culmination of so many different interests, right? Like film, we always talk about it's really multidisciplinary. Like you do need to know how to talk about fashion and make a great fart joke in the same job yes, you know what i mean yes, it is right? true and, and that like there's no way that you know what interests are gonna pan out and so when you've got an area of expertise and you can kind of you've built the network to help you kind of hone in on that area of expertise then that's something that's special and also then we talk about all these people taking you under your uh, under their wings your hard work is making them money Yes. Right. Like it's not just That's altruism, true. right? That's like true. they're like, oh, Justin, he can pull great sound bites out of athletes. Like, let's do it. Let's figure it out. He he knows how to do this, right? And so, like, if there's that uh, back yeah. and forth relationship. Th- th- think about this: is the one thing that was that when I shot the Super Bowl spot, 
what it was is, is a lot of things. It's Vic believing, seeing my directing. It's being an ex-athlete. It's also working with athletes as well, right? So all those things, those like those things, all come and my film background as well. You know, all that stuff kind of comes together because, and also the fact, also the fact that I'm I'm black as well because a lot of these athletes are. And if you're doing a spot that's very emotional, I I'm, I can pull something out of those guys that a lot, a lot of people can't. I can talk. I talk their language, like right. I'm I'm, I'm spitting like I'm talking to. Um, Devery Henderson and um, Devery, who came from nowhere and bumblefuck, who knows, you know, I can, I guess, I guess, I can speak to that, and I can speak to the, like the, the trials he's going through, like with football, and I like he's, t- he's telling me about practice. I, I can, I can relate that because I, I, I play college football. I understand things he's going through. I worked with, I worked with NFL athletes. You know, I, I see, I know what their game days are like. I know what he's going through. You know, I can get, I can get right down to it immediately and like, and like relate. I think it's there's two things to that. One, it's like you can say, hey, I know you. I have the same story. Yeah, I'm going to call practice rehearsal on accident. Yes. 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 <laughs> but then yes. But then there's also the fact that you have you don't just have a comfort with him, but you have a comfort with the process of shooting a commercial, so it's like Yes. So he feels like he's in good hands, the the crew feels like they're in good hands and you're it's kind of this perfect marriage. I think kind of to me like a interesting takeaway just from your whole journey and story that is uh like teachable in a way it's kind of just about your attitude and i i do think maybe because you're kind of this multidisciplinary guy you know you have an arts background with the you know in architecture and sports and management and restaurants and all these different things that when you know not even really knowing what you wanted to do that you know why does dean kane or this producer at deutsch or all these other people like want to help you out or bring you in or even at Village Roadshow. Sure, it's, you know, because you're good at your job and you help, you know, people make money or whatever. But also because you're not like, you know, this cocky guy that comes in. It's like, I went to film school. I know what I'm doing. I know like like people like to help other people. You know, like we have this podcast because we we enjoy talking about this stuff. And if you enter like a new place, instead of like trying to show off about everything, you know, but kind of talk more about like what excites you and what you want to learn, I think people will take you, you know, and, and try to in, involve you in things. There's yeah, like, no, no one, no, no one it. ever takes like a cocky film student who thinks they knows everything under their wing. Right. Why would you, they think they know everything. They're not open to being taught. Yeah. I, I, I definitely was not that person. I was the only person ready to, to, to learn, but yeah, you're right. People, people want to, people naturally, I feel like want to most people, actually want to help people and i think that i was hit, hit, hit a lot of places at the right time um you know like like i said like even at deutsch i was there when when it became you know it, it was blowing up and i was there we were on fire just getting work and aid and clients and at one point we were, we were we had 700 people working there with your biggest agency on the west coast so like i was there during during that time and it was it was a great great place to be you know but i also saw it start to go down too and i left you know so it's just I've, I've been I've been blessed to be at places. I always feel like I'm. Well, I, somehow I get the right place at the right time. You know, I'm blessed. I got blessed that way. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're a type of person that makes a lot of opportunities for yourself. It's easy to sit at home and like be like, where are the jobs? Um, it's harder to go take classes and do all these things and meet people and intern and transcribe and you know whatever. 
um, and explain and to your girlfriend you have to go play basketball with Gene Kane on a Saturday morning <laughs> when she wanted to make eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was Sunday mornings though. It was oh, pardon me, pardon. Me. Uh, yeah, that's even worse, right? <laughs> so, um, so with Invisible Collective, what kind of people are do you are you looking to? put on your roster like is there like- well you know we, we we are inclusive but you know we 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 stray heavily towards minorities women the lgbtq plus community you know we, we try to see the people who are less underrepresented we try to get them representation you know get them a and this is for commercials mainly most, yeah most of commercials music videos all that kind of thing and how do you come to meet people that you want to work with like how how say say there's a listener at home who's like oh this sounds great. Justin seems like the sort of person I want to work with. Are you taking pitches or is it more relationship based? How, how do you kind of find people that you want to work with? You know, I think at first it, it was a lot of relationship based because, you know, being in this industry for a long time on both sides, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people that were able to get in that wanted to be in the in commercials that hadn't had a chance. And so that's kind of how, where it started just from personal relationships with people that we knew. And then eventually we started, branching out and getting new people you know we're always willing to see a filmmaker's or a person's work you know they might not always be ready to, to be where on the roster or things like that but that's not doesn't mean we won't get we won't look up somebody and try to get an opportunity to be honest with you we we actually like it like to help people and we have and that's why we're called collective because we don't we have a main roster but we also have our overall collective which is where we like to stash people who are up and coming or working hard and you know, we might not, we might have a project that might not be a lot of money, but might work out, might be something that's perfect for them to come in and, you know, creatively take over and just work on it. So they can just, a lot of times it's like, just email me and, and I'll, and I'll, one of us email me or my partners and we will we, respond most of the time and, and take a look and say, you know, it might not be right for us right now, but we'll keep, keep an eye out for you and we add, add you to our, add you to our list. Of people or you know if you work if, if it's there and it's ready to be up like let's let's get a bigger meeting and, and see what we we want to work together and you know honestly we we like to keep our company as family oriented as possible we want it to feel like we've been together for a long time and so we try to keep it to people who are who are talented and great people <laughs> you know you know we don't we no assholes allowed <laughs> you, you know another thing i loved about what you said justin is like you phrased it as uh, some people maybe might not be ready, right? Which I, I love because, you know, I think advertising sometimes can be really, there's a lot of rejection, right? And so it's easy to think like, oh, like I'm not good enough. But that's not what we're, you're talking about. You're talking about people honing their skills and elevating, raising their game. And so it's okay for a company to be, you know, a blue chip company that works with big fancy brands. That doesn't mean that you won't get there eventually, but that like, you know, you have to build, build that reel up more. It might, it might just be like, you might be missing one thing. You might like you, like you, we see you do it once and you know how it is, man. It's, it's tough because what we're dealing with is a lot of times is a lot of people don't have the reels. And like, even some people on our roster may not necessarily fully have the reel, but we know what they can do, and it's, and, it's, and it's about getting them in the process, and like, get, like, like, just getting in the bid process, so we, so you can, you can bid against other people. Like, it's just little by little getting people familiar with how this works, and and then just help people. Like, if something comes along, like, okay, I know you don't have it, but we're, this is how we're gonna build your reel up. We're gonna we're gonna give you this thirty thousand dollar, you know, social campaign, and let you go out and direct it, and and you know, and give you. We're gonna, but we're gonna give you. 
we'll give you as much resources as we can provide. Like we'll give you the insurance. We'll, give, we'll, we'll, we'll try to help you cut a deal on that camera. We'll work, we'll work out, work out some of the crew. You know, we'll be your pay, we'll help you with payroll. Like we'll do all this stuff to get you just so you just can worry about the creative and can get this great spot on your reel. You know? Yeah. What I love about that also is that like, you know, a lot of companies aren't interested in helping people grow because they're preoccupied with the biggest job they can possibly get. And it sounds like because maybe you had those opportunities at Deutsch of like seeing how that can pay off. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's also the thing about giving back and giving back and knowing where I was and, and I was that person at one point. Right. And well, I mean, we probably all were at some point we all were that person trying to find out where we want to be and getting um, somebody just talking to you is a big deal. And them saying like, okay, like it be, and being honest with you is, is, as well, because I feel like, a lot, of, a lot of places where I, if I talked to them or if I met with somebody, they weren't as they weren't they were like, oh yeah, you got good stuff, you know, you can you can do this, but let's let's just talk to them. like I'm I'm like no, you know, like you have you have good stuff, you or decent stuff, it might not be as great, but I, I, I see the potential there, and if you and I'm like if you do this and do that, you might you can get to you can get better, you know, like it might be something simple as like your sound is horrible on this thing. Which is a big deal, right? Having good sound is like a huge deal. Like you know, just, if your sound is good, we get, we get your sound better. Like let's do something that has great, better sound on it, and I, then I can show that to people. You know, it's, it might be as simple as something as that. Right. Awesome. Well, so if people want to find out more about Invisible, they can go to weareinvisible.co. That's right. right? That's right. Weareinvisible.co. And if people want to see your older stuff, they can go to justinpolk. Yes, yes. My all my all my updated stuff is on there. Awesome. Well, well, Justin, it was great to talk to you. Uh, can you hang out and uh, endorse with us? Unpaid endorsements. My endorsement actually is inspired by Justin, who noticed on Zoom a book behind me on the shelf that's called uh, Master Shots. Uh, and it's in its second edi- uh, edition. It's uh, remastered and digitally enhanced. And it's pretty great, actually. It's really just like, you know, you kind of use it almost like a copy table book. But it's a list of like just every sort of setup that you could possibly think of, basically. So like I'm looking at eyeline change or walking and talking, parallel tracking. And it'll show you both kind of like a a diagram of like 3d models showing you where the camera is and how the blocking works and then an example from a film uh where they use that technique and it's pretty great it's it's um it's nice to just kind of grab for when you're just trying to think up shots you know it's just kind of like good to flip through and uh my wife in particular really likes it so uh master shots by Christopher Kenworthy. Um, okay, here's a bad one. It's bad because I actually haven't watched it yet, but everyone says it's amazing. It's this movie called Nomadland with Francis McDormand <laughs> that uh, I officially can tell people I can work on now because I guess my name is in the credits. Um, but I did uh, I did visual effects on that movie, and everyone uh, says it's really good. I'm going to watch it <laughs> very soon. It's really weird as a visual effects artist. You oftentimes only get to see the scenes that you work on, you know, and you don't get to see the whole movie. But uh, I do effects for this producer a lot, and I've done them on some big movies, like Oscar-nominated movies, but they, I'm usually, like, doing these last-minute effects, and I'm fixing them, and or fixing things, and uh, the VFX companies that that are, like, the main vendors for the movies, they, like, don't want to share the credit. So um, so I'm usually uncredited, but on Nomadland... Both that and the Takashi Six Nine documentary I got I'm credited on in the in the rolling credits, so I can tell people I worked on them. 
the first one is just sayings that that kind of you know one's the saying that kind of gets me through um, just kind of life and then you know working and directing as well is all they can say is no that's that's it that's my thing all that they can say is no it's like ask and all they say is no like you want you want to try something new try to try to uh, different shot you want to do a different location you know you just ask and if they say no then you're back to where you started but nothing is and nothing is lost uh, because it shouldn't it shouldn't hurt your feelings creatively or anything like that because you're, you're throwing out ideas to make it to try to make it better and if they if they don't feel like it's right for the for what, what you're doing then maybe it's not right um so yeah that's that's my first one and then another one has to do with just directing in general to me for me and i should say for me and people could take this or leave this how they want i feel like there's a lot of people who want to come in and be the director that's like i'm the king of the set and this is how it's gonna roll and that that, that works for a lot of that works for some people and that but i also feel like in order to survive you have to collaborate you have to have tr- trust in your production designer that they're going to pull out the best thing in you and you have to listen to your to your cinematographer because he has ideas too and you know, even even I've even been on sets where my first AD is super smart and it says something that's been like, oh, that's interesting, and it gives you an idea that, that it helps you out in a certain situation where you where you might have been kind of caught for a second. And I think that people shouldn't think that just because a director doesn't mean that they can't get good advice from anybody else around them, because I think it only makes everything better. I love that. Yeah, I just heard read this interview with Alex Garland who did you know. Uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation and Devs now. And the interviewer was like, so Devs is like so specific and has such a strong vision. Like, is that exactly what you imagined before you guys made the show? And he was like, well, look, I used to be like a novelist. Like when you're a novelist, you control everything. But like why I want to be, but that, that was super lonely. And the reason I want to be a filmmaker is because I can have ideas and I bring them to people and they make them better. The cinematographer can have an idea for how we light things. The production designer can have an idea for materials we use. And the reason it's good and it feels like a unified vision is because I'm working with people and I'm collaborating with them, you know? And it's like, it's not just me. It's, it's us. It's a team. Um, and something interesting he's doing is he's writing a totally new TV show unrelated to devs at all, but he's going to try to use the entire cast from devs in it. Kind of, he's like, He's like, I kind of have like how theater companies, they'll like take yeah. the same cast and put them in a new play. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to try to do that with TV. Or Adam anyway. Sandler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, the Broken thing Lizard. that Adam Sandler and theater companies have in common. There yes, you go. You yes, found it, Justin. Yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cool. So if people want to, are you on Twitter or anything? Yeah. Are you on social? At Twitter at Just Polk, J-U-S-T-P-O-L-K. Uh, same same thing for Instagram. I, I keep I keep the same handle for everything. Um, so yeah, if you can find me on there, you can find my email on uh, weareinvisible.co.co. Awesome. Well, you can email us if you have any questions, want to know anything about what we said, or have comments, want to tell us how wrong we are. Just shoot it pod at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us on all socials at Just Shoot It Pod. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at SmiteyPileg. Or on Instagram, I'm at OKaplan. You can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlow on Instagram and Twitter. This episode was edited by Sarah Weirda. Our uh, webmaster is Ewan Williams. And our social media maestro is Derek Aiello. Uh, you're listening to the Free Music Archives artist, Jazar. Thanks, everyone.
I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.